0: Embodiments of love. Peace is within, not outside. Outside, no peace, only peace Dear listeners, Sai Ram and greetings from Prashanth Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Outside, Inside, Deep Inside. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Life, hosted by Bishop Prashti. And today's episode was first broadcast on 8th April 2021. Have a listen please.
1: Dear listeners, Sairam from Prashantinalam, the most happening place on the planet and Welcome once again to Outside, Inside, Deep Inside, our series on every Thursday morning, where we spend time contemplating on the beautiful stories of devotees, devotees who are beautiful servitors of Bhagwan. In this series, beacons of Prashantin Lim, and for so many episodes now, we have been. Listening to the story of Surya Kanta Magaru, someone who served in the South Indian canteen for more than four decades and came to Bhagwan way back in the 60s, 61. Shivaratri, she had her first darshan and I have shared with you her story of how she comes from a family of freedom fighters and how she loved to dedicate her life in devotion of Sri Panduranga and how once she saw Bhagawan as Panduranga once Bhagwan gave her that experience and that darshan, how her passion, her devotion, her life's mission, everything became Bhagwan. And Bhagwan gave her beautiful opportunities on those days to travel with him. She went with Bhagwan to Sri Sailam. she went with Bhagawan to Bhadrachalam, and in 1965 she had the Honored the privilege her lifetime's dream got fulfilled when Bhagawan visited her village, Satyavada. And as I was narrating Bhagwan's trip of 1965, which happened from March 21st, 1965 till April 6th, I told you how Bhagwan started the trip from Vrindavan and went to Chennai and how Bhagawan came to vijayawada and later on some stayed for 3 days in Kakinada and after 3 days of prashanti vidwanma sabha at Kakinada, bhagwan went to pithapuram and then bhagwan came to Rajamandri. again in Rajamandri there was a yagnam a 3 day yagnam and prashanti sabha and a huge gathering of people and after that bhagwan went to kadali and Rajol in the east, Godavari district, and from there Bhagwan came to Satyavada, which is near Tanuku in the west, Godavari district. And I told you how, in the early hours of 4th April 1965, Bhagwan motored into this village, Satyavada. I have shared with you how, when Bhagwan came into the village, in that Brahma Murtam time, 4 o'clock in the morning, how all the people of the village were waiting for him whole night because Bhagwan was actually expected to come much earlier. And Bhagwan, so to speak, got delayed because Bhagwan was visiting so many people, village after village. Swami had visited 20 villages before coming to Satyavana. And the devotees and the people of this village, they were waiting for Bhagwan with great anticipation and love. And as Bhagwan came into the village, they had this Purna Kumbham and they welcomed Bhagwan with garlands and so much enthusiasm. And Bhagwan also was lost when he looked at the love of these people. And it was not just the people of the village, there were people who had come from so many places, from five-ten kilometers around the place. People had come from Rajamandri, from Kakinada, from everywhere. People had gathered into that little village and every home in that village. Had become a guest house. People welcomed every guest. They cooked for them. They took care of them. There was no hotel in that village. Even electricity was choppy. She had to make arrangements for generators. I have told you in the previous episode. That's how Bhagwan came into this village, Satyavada, on the 4th of April 1965. And after Surya Kanta Magaru took Bhagwan to her home, she had completely redone the home for Bhagwan's stay and once uh, she showed Bhagwan all the rooms and his rest room, then she went uh, to look after all the other arrangements because she had made arrangements for all the guests of Bhagwan. They were very important guests of Bhagwan. The Raja of Venkatagiri was there. The members of the Gogineni family who offered to Bhagwan the Brindavan residence in exchange, Bhagwan gave them Nandanavanam. That is the story of Nandanavan. So that family was there. There are so many very, very senior, very respectable members who were part of Bhagwan's entourage. And Surya Kanta Magaru had made arrangements in that little village. She had made arrangements for everyone. There was house of uh, her relatives which were not being used. So she had taken those premises and she had made arrangements. And she had also arranged for cooks. She had brought in cooks specially from Kakinada and Rajamandri. She knew the cooks uh, that cook for Bhagwan and Bhagwan's group. So she had made arrangements. She had brought uh, fruits from watermelon from Hyderabad. She had uh, procured raw cashew from different places. So she had not left a single stone unturned to make preparations for Bhagwan's visit. And I told you how, in the early morning, when one showed Bhagwan his restroom, and she went out. An hour later, when she went back to the kitchen to do the arrangement, that is when the people in the kitchen were in, were in ecstasy, and they started narrating how Bhagwan had come there. She thought Bhagwan is resting, but Bhagwan did not rest. Even the whole night he had not slept. Bhagwan did not rest. Bhagwan went to the kitchen. He wanted to make sure if all arrangements were being done, he wanted to bless the people who have been working whole night in the kitchen. And these cooks were not new to Swami. And there was a clerk and uh, his wife who were working with Kantamagaru because at that time Kanthamagaru was the sarpanch of the village. And they were providing groceries and provisions to these cooks and to all the other people who were, had been accommodated in different houses. So Swami went there and Swami blessed all these people, gave them Padamskaram, inquired with them how they are and what they are, what preparation they are making. And then Bhagwan came to rest. And I mean this is how Bhagavan is. For him, he is always the other person first. If Bhagavan told us joy is God first, others next, I am last. If we saw that in Bhagavan's life, where it it was always God. Did this first and showed us how to lead a life where you think about the other person first, and that's what you saw in Bhagwan's life. Bhagwan first inquired about them, and then Bhagwan went and hardly he had rested for an hour or so. Bhagwan came out for darshan, and there were so many people. The crowd was humongous crowd, and Bhagwan was so thrilled to look at that crowd. And she had made a temporary stage for Bhagwan and bhagwan went to that stage and swami was really overwhelmed looking at because people were climbing on trees on on coconut trees on drumstick trees and having bhagwan's darshan that's how they were hungering for his love and bhagwan spent a good amount of time with them and then bhagwan came back and uh, when swami returned for breakfast swami told professor kasturi to call Kantamagaru. Kantamagaru was busy making preparations and making arrangements for all this people and guests and swami said no i want to be served by kantamagaru alone and that's when kantamagaru came to bhagwan and swami was so happy with the arrangements and swami wanted to be served by her and as bhagwan was eating there was a little boy her son who was fanning swami and swami said no need no need your hands will pain no need to do this and bhagwan told kantamagaru that you should Serve me in the afternoon also. Lunch also should be served by you, Swami told Kanta Magaru And Swami told her, this is a golden day. This is a day which should be written in gold for all the village inmates. And that's how it was. The village had never seen that much outpouring of love and devotion that happened that morning. And Bhagwan could not contain himself. After the... A little breakfast, Bhagwan went back and now Swami went to another a neighboring house and there was a stone slab on top and Swami asked for a ladder and Swami went on to that slab and Swami simply sat there. It was 11 a.m. It was noon time and in the month of April, you can imagine how hot it will be in these areas. It's extremely hot. But Swami sat there at 11 when it was really very hot, and Swami for half an hour was just sitting there and giving the chance of divine darshan to all these devotees. And when Bhagwan returned, Kanta Garu was in tears because she saw Bhagwan was sweating because it was not easy. From whole morning, Swami has been working, working, and he cannot not give himself to the devotees and. It was so overpowering to see Bhagwan's love and concern for these devotees. And at lunchtime, when Bhagwan was on the dining table, Swami looked at all the items that were prepared and Swami asked for Kantama. As I mentioned, Swami wanted to be served by Kantama Garu. Then Swami looked at every item and Swami said, Oh, this is made by Dashratharam Reddy's wife. Dashratharam Reddy is another very great devotee of Bhagwan, And Mr. Dashratharam Reddy used to accompany Bhagwan." in all these trips, especially in Andhra Pradesh. And his wife, who was used to cooking for Swami, was helping Kanta Magaru. And there were so many devotees uh, who were helping. Swami had told them to help Kanta Magaru. So they were all there. Chutya who was all the time around Bhagavan. Uh, in those days, Swami used to stay in his house also. And these devotees were there with Bhagwan and Swami is looking at all the items that have been prepared for lunch and Swami is telling, ah, oh, this one is made by the cook, this one is made by Dashrattaram Reddy's uh, wife and Swami is looking at every item and then Kanta Magaru was feeling very sad that she did not have really that time to cook anything because she was so busy making arrangements uh, for darshan, for the stay of all the guests, for Bhagwan and it's a little village, you have to make arrangements for water, for electricity, generator, everything. And as I mentioned to you, she had got four battalions of police. At that time, we didn't have sevadals. So crowd control had to be done so that everything happens in a disciplined manner. So she was really running around and busy making all these uh, arrangements. At the lunch table, Sami saw Kantamagaru. She was feeling sad that she didn't really get the time to prepare anything. But Sami was so happy and Sami said, everything has been done so well. You tell me tell me what you want. Swami is asking Kantamagaru, tell me what you want. And Kantamagaru is saying, Nothing, Swami, I have nothing. Chapu, Chappu, tell, tell what do you want? And Kantamagaru did not say anything. You know, she was speechless what to say. She was so happy that Swami had finally come to her house, come to her village. It was unimaginable, unthinkable. And Swami was happy and Sami again Swami asked, No, tell me what do you want? And Kathamagaru did not know what to say. And finally she said, Swami, Swami, you have given everything to me. Swami, you have given me profusely. I need nothing. I lack nothing. If you want to give me anything, then just promise me that your grace will always be with me. That I always enjoy your grace. That is all I want. And Kanta Magaru says, she had read all these stories of devotees because she used to read this Bhakta Vijayam. This volume which has stories of devotees of the Lord from all parts of the country, Devotees who are hailed in Indian tradition, Namdev, Sakubai, Ramdas, all these stories she had read. And she had learnt these songs which Namdev had written where he says to the Lord, Why should I ask anything for this body? This body is not permanent at all. I don't want anything. So, all these thoughts were there in Kantamagaru because she was someone, she used to do daily reading of this sacred literature and she said, I want nothing, Swami. If I need anything, it is only your grace. And Swami said, yes, yes. And Swami blessed her. Then Swami looked at her around and adjacent to her house, you know, attached to her house was uh, this huge place, which was her brother-in-law's house, her husband's uh, brother's house. And uh, they were not there at that point in time. And that house was available and she was using that space at that point in time. And uh, Swami said, whose house is this? This house is very nice. So Kanta Magaru said, Swami, this house belongs to my brother-in-law and currently they are not here. Swami said, they are going to sell this house. You buy it. And Kanta Magaru said, Swami, I don't need Swami. What will I do? I have only one son. And he's so small, he's just eight, nine years old now. And what do I do with another house? I have this one house, that is enough. Swami said, you have one son, I know, but how do you know how many children he will have? You have no idea. Take this house, this is my command. Swami says, this is my command, you take this house. And she said, okay Swami. And that house did come to Kanta Magaru. And how that happened is a very interesting story. I will probably preserve that for the next episode because there are lots of twists and turns in that. Very powerful lessons also to learn from that. You cannot take any word of Bhagwan, any command of Bhagwan lightly. And if His grace is there and if you are sincere, things will definitely work out in the end. But... For the moment, what happened was Swami asked Kantamagaru to take that house, and Swami says, You must buy this house. And Kantamagaru says, Yes, Swami. And Swami says, Whatever changes are needed for that house, you should make those changes. And then Bhagwan had his lunch, and uh, Bhagwan rested for a while. It was a hectic day Bhagwan, for Bhagawan. And in the evening, there was this arrangement made for a public meeting for Bhagawan. And that was, as I mentioned in the previous episode, in an open area in the quadrangle, sort of open quadrangle of a temple and there were no walls, there was no borders. So that is how arrangements were made for Bhagwan's public meeting. So as Bhagwan was leaving for this public meeting, Swami told Kanta Magaru, I'm going for the meeting now. You don't come there because there is a lot of luggage here, a lot of arrangements here, and you keep a watch. And I will come back in the evening. I will have my dinner and then leave. So you can start making preparations for all that. So Swami said that, and uh, she had made a garland for Bhagavan and you know she had uh, made arrangements to aarti and break coconuts and everything. And even as you know, she was doing all that, Swami asked, where is your mother? And so she took her mother to Bhagwan, and Swami blessed her. Then Swami asked, where is your brother? And then she took her brother who was married just three months ago and Swami and gave uh, the turmeric uh, smear thread to tie the knot for her brother's marriage. So Swami asked, where is... Uh, Brother's wife, so she also came. The sister-in-law was summoned. Swami gave Padmaskaram to the entire family: brother, his wife, to Kantamagaru's mother, and Kantamagaru did not take namaskaram because whenever Swami tells her, she would take, and that is what she did, and. As all this was happening, then Swami told her, See, I am going for the meeting, but I think I will not have dinner here because if I stay here for longer, devotees will continue to stay here. They will not leave. So it is better I leave immediately after the meeting. And since Bhagwan had decided that he will not be staying back for dinner, immediately Kanta Magaru did arati for Bhagwan and garlanded Bhagwan and all the farewell ceremonies she was preparing. She did everything at that point in time, and Bhagwan went for that meeting. And uh, this was that beautiful evening when Bhagwan spoke to this huge concourse of devotees in this little village of Satyavada. Sri Satya Sai giving his sandesh in Satyavada, and. In fact, this was one of the very first functions of the new year because the Ugadi had just happened, the Telugu new year. And Swami in the discourse said that this is the very first function in the new year. Vishwavasu was the name of the year, that year. And Swami said, I am seeing here a veritable ocean of humanity. And this ocean has been formed by rivers and streams from miles around. Really." People had come from so many places and Swami said, what a joy, this is an ocean of joy. This is not an ocean of humanity, this is an ocean of joy. And Swami said, man is born for the attainment of this joy. Man is born not to just eat and revel. Man is born for this real and lasting joy. And this real and lasting joy can be won only by a life that is led along the path of dharma. Swami said it is dharma that makes the inherent divinity of man shine forth and this shining, this illumination is the purpose of life. This is why every person is born on earth and Swami told that huge gathering man has in him the spark of divinity, the spark of divinity which is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent and which is immanent in the entire universe and In order to become aware of this innate reality, man has to learn the technique laid down by the scriptures as it is revealed by divinity. And Bhagavan went on to mention in that discourse the very first lesson in our spiritual journey, as mentioned in our scriptural texts, is control of speech. Swami said, Speech is the armament of man. Animals, different animals, have different. Faculties, different weapons, different talents. Some animals have fleetness of foot. Some other animal has sharpness of claw. Someone else has sharpness of their horns. Someone has a tusk. Someone has a beak. Swami said, while all these different weapons or armaments are there for different animals, for man... The armament is the sweetness of speech, Swami said. Because this sweetness of speech can disarm all opposition and it can remove all hatred. Swami said, it is this sweetness that makes you pashupati. Harshness makes you an animal, pashu. But sweetness makes you pashupati, makes you divine. And Swami said, it is not just mere outward politeness or sweetness. That is hypocrisy, sincere Speech must flow from real sweetness of the heart and a heart that is full of love. And Swami went on to say, remove all evil from your manasasarovara, from the lake of your mind and make it a fit abode for God. And Bhagwan went on to exhort the people by saying, don't aspire to be a servant of God because a servant works for wages. Don't reduce yourself to that level. Because the servant will do something and will expect something in return for the service that he has rendered. But Swami said, With God, your relationship with God is different. You don't calculate the profit. You don't do anything for returns. You don't plan the consequence. You do it because you have to do. You do it because you love to do. You do it because it is your duty. And that is your real puja. Dedicate every deed as well as the consequence of that deed the Divine, Swami said. Then, you will become His own. You won't be His servant. You will become His own. You are not someone who does something and then demands wages. You do it because you love. Like a mother does everything for the child because the mother loves the child. And the child does everything for the mother because the child loves the mother. Swami said that's how that relationship should be. Swami said, once you become God's own, that is the highest level a Bhakta can reach through sadhana. And the way to this stage is nishkama karma, desireless action. Action done with joy, expecting nothing in return. Swami said this heart has this precious treasure of ananda, but man does not know the key to open this lock. And that key to unlock the treasure house of ananda in the heart is namasmarana. Reputation of the name of the Lord with a pure heart. Swami says, purify your heart with satya, dharma, Shanti, and prema. Always endeavor to do good to others, to think well of them, to speak well of others. This will ensure that your ego goes and your attachment to things also dwindles. Don't be like birds and bees, only thinking of earning a living or rearing a family. Think of higher things, higher talents that you have been blessed with. And Swami said, "I am so happy that this village has responded so hearteningly to the call for the higher things of life. All villages must awaken to the vision of the supreme." Swami told all the people, "Don't be despirited. Humanity and reverence, humility, which is so vital, is disappearing in humanity. Reverence and humility; these are fast disappearing in the towns and in the." places where people talk about fashion. But the simple folk of the village, they understand the value of humility, reverence, fear of sin, faith in the victory of truth, the efficacy of virtue, the existence of an eternal ever-present witness. These are qualities which exist and flourish in the villages all these people in the cities who think they are uplifting the villages, Swami said, they have to uplift themselves first. They are losing these virtues. The villages propagate and preserve the genuine culture of India, Swami said. Bhagwan gave that instance from the Mahabharata how the Kauravas had everything that the world honoured and envied. They had arms, they had ambition, they had friends, they had allies, they had forces, they had riches. But what they did not have was God. God was not on their side. Why? Because they were wicked. The Pandavas had nothing but they had God. Why? Because they were virtuous and that's why they triumphed in their Mahabharata battle. So Bhagavan reminded them how grace of God is truth and that does not change Grace of God is nirmala. It is uncontaminated by any blemish. It is full. It is complete. It is nishala. It is unaffected by modifications. So one must yearn and earn that grace and that ananda and that bliss that flows from that grace. Swami said, man must come out of this cocoon of objective attachment and should not become a prisoner of his own desires. I and mine, they are the two poison fangs of the cobra of worldly life, Bhagavan said. Remove them and you can experience freedom. Swami said, I know the simple life of the villagers. You are so much in tune with nature. Swami said, you must become masters of your own realm. And what is your own realm? It is the realm of your senses. You must become the master of your impulses. Of your senses, of your instincts, of your attitudes. That is when you will have true Swaraja. That is a village which had so many freedom fighters, and Swami was telling them, What is true freedom? Swaraja. Swaraja. Swaraja means to have absolute control over yourself, to be a master of your intellect, of your feelings, of your instincts. Bhagavan said, when your senses drag you in one direction and your intellect pulls you in another direction, how can you have Swarajya? You have to be very careful of selfishness and the habit of reviling others. Investigate, examine and then you can pronounce any judgment. So Bhagavan said, rather than concerning yourselves with the faults and excellences of others, think earnestly of your own faults. Foster more carefully your virtues, your excellences. So this is how Bhagwan spoke to the villagers and Bhagwan was in a flow. So merrily addressing these villagers and exhorting them to stick to the principles and practices and the spirituality of India. And as I mentioned after the public meeting, Bhagwan got into the car and as Bhagavan was leaving, Bhagwan came through the house of Kantamagaru. He did not get down the car, but Kantamagaru was there ready. She broke the coconuts in front of Bhagavan's car and Bhagwan blessed her from the car itself. And as she took Arati again, Bhagavan blessed her and Swami left. And Swami told her, You don't follow me now, you be here Because there are so many things to be done. A lot of people who have come and you have to look after so many arrangements that you have done. You have to wind up everything. You don't come. And very interestingly, after Bhagwan left, just a few minutes after that, suddenly the villagers saw that there was a windstorm and rain approaching. In fact, when you look at Bhagwan's plan, the original plan of Bhagwan, Swami initially told her, that I will stay here, I will have dinner here and then leave. But suddenly Swami changed the plan and Swami told me, no, I will not leave. After dinner, I will leave immediately after the meeting. Swami told me, the devotees will be put to inconvenience, they will not leave. But very interestingly, the moment Bhagwan left, you know, all the people left and as the people were leaving, that is when the rain and the windstorm happened and it did not do any major inconvenience to the people. And that is when Kanta Magaru realised why Bhagwan probably insisted to leave. And she did not come in the way. She did not put her will there and force Swami. No, you should stay. She said, whatever is your will, Swami. And that is how that trip of Bhagwan to Satyavada materialised. And Swami drove that night and Swami started going to Repale. But midway, Swami stopped in Chabrulu. Swami had His dinner in Chebrolu. And by the time Swami reached there, it was nine in the night. And in Chebrolu, there were old-time devotees of Bhagwan, And the lady of the house was there. And Swami suddenly went there. And Swami stopped at the house. And Sami started asking for her Seshama, the lady of the house. And Sami just went into that house. It was all very unexpected visit of Bhagwan, And uh, Swami said, uh, Seshama, can you prepare some rice and some rasam for me? And uh, Seshama, uh, that lady, she was <laughs> really awestruck. And she said, sure, Swami. And she said, just give me a couple of minutes. And they had in the house that first floor, dedicated to Swami. And she told Swami, you please be uh, seated here. Please rest here, Swami. I will immediately go and prepare the dinner in no time. And then Swami asked her, where is your husband? Actually, the husband... Mr. Satyanarana, he had gone to Satyavada because he had gone to see Bhagwan there. He was one of the members also in that committee helping Gantamagaru. Swami did not tell anything to him there and Swami appears sort of in his house and he is not there. And even as Seshamagaru, you know, was preparing this dinner and uh, it was 10 p.m. by the time, you know, the dinner preparations were done and Bhagwan was there having the food there. And that is when... Uh, Satya Narana returned from Satyavada, and when he returned he's, to his utter amazement he sees Swami's car is parked outside his house and he was so taken aback and uh, when he came inside he saw Swami was really there and Swami blessed the couple and you know, Swami really uh, filled that couple uh, with bliss. In fact that couple had gone through some tragedy and Swami really filled their heart with love. And Swami travelled then in the night. Swami continued and Swami reached Eluru in the night. And from there, Bhagwan went to Repalle. No rest for Bhagwan. The whole night He was travelling. In fact, in Kanta Magara's house, Bhagwan did rest for some time, even though it was daytime. In fact, later on, Bhagwan did mention this. Swami said, I had... Very good rest in Satyavada, in Kantamagaru's house. Swami would always say, In Amalapuram, it was Saraswati Amma, another lady, who took care of me, and in Satyavada it was Kantama who took care to ensure that I have some rest. Because Kantamagaru ensured that when Bhagwan was resting there was no disturbance. Kantamagaru did not allow anyone to go near Bhagwan. She was very, very particular that Swami should have his freedom and should have his rest. In fact, months later also when Bhagwan he came back to Puttaparthi, and Kantamagaru was with Bhagwan in the interview room. Swami said, "I really rested there. Even in daytime, I slept at your house." And Kantamagaru said, "Swami, whenever you need rest, you come to my village." And Swami said, "No, no, no. If I rest, the whole world will come to rest." But that is how fondly Bhagwan was recollecting the service and the beautiful visit. That Kanthamagaru had arranged, and how Bhagwan was so happy. In fact, next day when Bhagwan was in Raypalle, Kanthamagaru could not contain herself. She went to Raypalle. She did not travel that day. She went the next day because Swami had told, "Don't come today. Otherwise, the wish she is and she would have definitely traveled that day itself to see Bhagwan once again in Eluru or in Raypalle." But she went the next day, and she had gone with a huge uh, container full of vibhuti packets and photographs. In fact. She had made these arrangements in Satyavara itself. She wanted Swami to bless these Vibhuti packets because this is what she wanted to give everyone as prasadam as they were leaving. But in the midst of all those arrangements and a sudden change of Swami's plan and everything, she forgot to get this blessed. So she had taken all these Vibhuti packets and she had gone to Repale. And the moment Swami saw her, Swami said, Oh, you have come here again. She said, no Swami, I just uh, I wanted to see you and Swami, I forgot to get these Vibhuti packets blessed by you Swami. So that's why I have come. And Swami was very happy and Swami blessed those packets. You know, Swami started playing with those Vibhuti packets and immediately Swami took those packets and Swami started distributing Himself to the devotees who were around. And Swami said, it's all, go back and take this prasadam and give it to everyone. So that is how... Uh, Kantama Magharu's uh, heart was overflowing with his love and grace and she came back uh, to Satyavada and started distributing that prasadam and in Repale, Bhagawan again gave a discourse and this was again a discourse in the new year and in this discourse, which is probably in the 5th uh, of April, Bhagawan again Referred to the new year, and as Swami said, you must use this new year, Vishwavasu, to strengthen your Vishwasa, your faith in God, faith in your own Atma, in your own divinity. And it is this divinity which manifests itself as love, as detachment, as admiration of virtue, as awe and wonder of everything around that nature provokes, Swami said. Swami told the devotees, man is neglecting a grand opportunity, the opportunity of imbibing his own genuine grandeur. Swami says, man is like someone who prefers to burn the sandalwood trees for sale as charcoal. Why? Because that person does not know the value of the wood. If you know the, what is the value of sandalwood wood, you would not burn it to make charcoal, isn't it? Swami says, in the same way, he takes the divine to be human. The goal he has to set before himself is the winning of Sukha and Shanti. That is the proper thing to do. But man stops after taking a few steps, gets deluded with what is temporary and what is pseudo and forgets the reality. Man thinks that if he can earn a little more or if he can get a few more positions or another roof over his head, then he will be happy. He will reach his goal. But all that joy that you derive from all these little, little, flimsy things, Swami says, they are all mixed with grief. They will all turn into pain only. That will not take you to your goal. Swami said, whatever objects that you, possessions that you collect, think that they are all given to you as trust to be used during your pilgrimage. They are all not yours. They have been given to you on trust and you have to return them when you leave Swami said when you hold a currency note in your hand and say proudly this is mine the currency note laughs at you because the note says oh my god how many thousand persons have told me the same thing this is mine this is they think that I belong to them they pride themselves like that but they don't know tomorrow I will be somewhere else Swami said the body is like that it is but a tent So don't give it too much importance. Give importance to the Dehi. Not to the Deha, not the body, but the Dehi, the indweller. And Bhagavan said, As the carpenter sharpens the wood and the blacksmith shapes the iron and the goldsmith shapes the gold, so too the Lord shapes us in his own way. The way he thinks is best. The Lord is the basis. Swami said, if you look at a tiny sparrow, The sparrow which is sitting on the branch is not worried about the storm because it knows that if anything happens to the branch it can simply fly away because it is relying on its wings not on the branch. Similarly, Swami said you should rely on the grace of God not on your little limited strength. Then no matter what the storm We will survive it without any harm. So, Bhagavan told these devotees to discriminate. Discriminate all the time. Use your viveka and vijnana, your spiritual knowledge and your experience of the waking stage, dream stage, deep sleep stage. Swami said, deep sleep stage, what happens? All your senses are negated. A tiger may maul you in a dream. A snake might strike deep into your leg in a dream. But once you wake up, there is nothing. There is no need to bring a doctor or a person to heal you, isn't it? The healing happens the moment you wake up. That's it. Once you wake up, you are cured. Cured of what hurt the tiger did or, or what the snake did, isn't it? And then you know there was no tiger, there was no snake. That's all imagination. So I said, similarly, we have to wake up to knowledge. Wake up to jnana. Jnana will immediately remove all these Pain and all this grief. And Bhagwan went on to say an empty iron box gets value when it contains jewels. Similarly, the body is honoured when it contains the jewel of consciousness and the valuables called virtues. Life has to be lived for the chance to unfold these virtues. Otherwise, you are just a burden upon earth because you are just consuming food. You are not cultivating the beautiful virtues which are dwells. And then Swami said, whether you like it or not, the length of your life is being clipped every day. The sun takes a day off of your life every day as the sun sets. Every day learn to pay tribute to the divine. The time that is gone cannot be brought back. Swami says, however hard you pine, how much ever you try what is gone cannot be brought back. Time that is gone cannot be regained. Therefore, sanctify every moment. Sanctify it with holy thoughts, holy words, holy deed. Even if you have no steady faith in God or in any particular name or form, just start by controlling the vagaries of the mind, the pulls of the ego, the attractions of the senses and attachment. And the way to do it is to be helpful to others. Swami says, once you are helpful to others, once you learn to serve, then your conscience itself will appreciate you and keep you happy and content. Whether anyone else thanks you, acknowledges you, does not matter. The God within will itself fill you with grace. So these were those beautiful things that Bhagwan mentioned to devotees at Repale. And after Bhagwan's visit there, Swami returned to Chennai and Bhagwan's visit concluded. Swami comes back, as I mentioned before, in the 6th of April, Swami is back to Brindavan and then to Puttaparthi. There is an interesting thing that I mentioned here, where when Bhagwan told Kanta Magaru that you acquire that house that is there next to you, when Bhagwan was very happy with her, and Swami told her, "Tell me what you want." And she said, "Swami, I don't want anything." And then Swami insists, "No, no, no. You take that house." And she says, "Swami, I don't need it." Swami says, "No, this is my command. You take that house." And finally, she obeys the command of Bhagwan. What happens is, three months later, when she is in Prashanthinilam, one day suddenly she is called by Surya Garu. Suraya Garu was someone who was looking after the canteen and so many things in this early years of Prasanthi Limanj. He comes and says that Swami is calling you and Kantamagaru goes to Bhagwan, and Swami says, you leave for your hometown immediately, today itself. And she said, Swami, today itself, because she had, you know, she leads a very simple life. She had a uh, few clothes and most of the clothes were with the dhobi, with the washerman and she says, Swami, I have given all the clothes to the washerman. Tomorrow, he will return Tomorrow can I leave? Swami said, Okay. And Swami let it be and that's how she left the next day. And when she went to her place, that is when she realized that's the previous day, the day before she landed, her brother-in-law, her husband's brother, he had come to that village and he wanted to sell that place, that place that Swami had told Kantamagaru to buy, the adjacent house. He wanted to sell that place and he was in a great hurry to sell the place and leave. But since Kantamagaru was not there, there was someone else who wanted to buy that place and they were in a hurry. That they were saying, No, you please uh, you know, sign the papers and do the agreement uh, we wanted. And Kantamagaru's mother wanted that Kantamagaru should get that house, but Kantamagaru was not there. And this person, brother-in-law, was not willing to wait. He had to leave. And so he says, the brother-in-law said, I'm happy to give it to you. I'm happy to give it to Kantama, but she's not there. What do I do? I don't have any option. I have to leave. And uh, so Kanthama mother was helpless. She also didn't know what to do. And in fact, the next day, the day when Kanthama reached, that day they had signed the agreement. By the time Kantamagaru reached, She came to know that the other party wanted the house and agreement was in the process and by that time she sent her son to that house, Kantamagaru sent her little son to that house to go and inform them that she has arrived. By the time the son went and told them that my mother has arrived, by the time the agreement was almost done. And now, that is when it occurred to Kantamagaru. Swami told her, the previous day itself, you leave today. If she had left today, this confusion would not have happened. If she had left that day, because once Sami told her, you leave, she should have left that day itself because this is what was happening there in her village. Swami wanted that property. Swami had told her, you buy that property. And this was their opportune time, but she missed it. By the time she reached, she reached one day late and the agreement was done. And her brother-in-law said, I don't know what to do, but we will do something. He said, and that is how, not listening to Swami, put Kanta Magaru into different, difficult situation. Here, Swami wanted to bless her with that property, but that property almost slipped out of her hands because she was not there in time. But eventually, by Swami's grace, she did get that property. How did that happen? That we will discuss in the coming episode. It's a very beautiful twist and turn that happened and finally she did get that property as Bhagwan had told. Swami had told her to buy that and she did get it. But because she did not listen to Swami immediately and did not travel immediately, a lot of confusion happened and she had to go through a lot of process and rigmarole but she did get that property thanks to Bhagwan and His grace and you know Bhagwan fills you, He will fill you with things of the world and things that are beyond the world. That is His grace and that is how it is in the life of every devotee who has given herself or himself to Bhagavan. And so we'll continue this beautiful story in the coming episode of Outside, Inside, Deep Inside in this series Beacons of Prashantinilam. As always, if you have anything to share, any comments, you can write to listener at sssmediacenter.org or you can also send us your Responses on our WhatsApp number nine three nine three two five eight two five eight. Thank you so much, Saira.
0: Premasuru Embodiments
1: of love.
0: Shanti ni Peace is within, not outside. Outside, no peace, only pieces. Saira, you just heard an episode of our radio program, Outside, Inside, Deep Inside. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Bishop Rushdie and today's episode was first broadcast on 8th April 2021. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. Please send us your feedback by either email or WhatsApp. Our email ID is listener at sssmediacenter.org and our WhatsApp number is 9393 Two five eight, two five eight. Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashant Nilayam.